Welcome back again to the secret episode of Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality Fan Fiction Analysis Podcast called We Want More. I didn't forget the intro. Nice. And yeah, so this is the spoiler episode with me and Inyash where we're recording a couple days after uh, Brian is safely, I don't know, 30 miles away. So mm-hmm. No way he can hear us exactly. through his natural ears. <laughs> he may have the ears of Vance or something. Right. Yeah, there was some discussion in the Discord today about the eye of Vance and how insanely OP it is. Yeah. It's either insanely OP or its powers are described vaguely. Right. I think it just means he can see all the way around him, like as if he could see everything around him. Yeah. Not like he can see anything in the world at any time. Despite what his internal monologues seem to imply, I think that makes the most sense. Well, I mean, he says like he can see the globe of the world, but like if you could focus 360 degrees around you and could see through your own head, then that would look kind of like you're in a globe, right? And presumably see through walls. Can I advance see through walls? I know it could in canon. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. Um, but then, like, what's your range? Do you have just normal human eyesight, but you can see through walls? I would imagine. But the other insanely OP feat that it has is that he seems to be able to see Harry beneath the cloak of invisibility. Yeah, that's a big one. And I wonder, does it work through um, vision extension things? Like, if he had a telescope, could he see through walls all the way to the range of the telescope? Because that would be some damn good sniping. Right. <laughs> Especially because it's in Costa Vada Cadaver and it just goes through stuff till it hits somebody. He could just, you know, shoot somebody at 70 you know, miles away or something, right? Yeah. I wonder. I'm assuming they don't move. But Vada Cadaver isn't that fast. That's right. That You know, that's one of those things that kind of makes a gun super valuable, even in a wizard fight. Yeah. Like, like you, I mean, it's fast, but it's not so fast that apparently you can't dodge it if you're 20 feet away from someone. Or literally at point blank, like when he was pointing it at the R on the floor. Yeah. Because we know that when he said in parcel tongue, he thought he would dodge. Yeah. Like, uh, we know he, he meant that. So it's like, all right, if you can dodge it at point blank. Well, then again, when you're cast, cast time is another thing too, right? So, and you got to say the words. Yeah. So if people hear you starting that with that, maybe they can start jumping out of the way yeah that's what i meant by cast time oh okay but yeah so i mean when you hear him start saying yeah then it's time to get out of the way anyway speculating about the the magicness of the eye of Vance isn't why we're here no it's not we are here to discuss like spoilery things that we could not discuss around brian i, I got one quick one to lead us off do it one is that so brian what do you think is going to come up in the story <laughs> and he as unspecifically as possible listed like the three main things that happen mm-hmm. a tragedy someone's probably going to die and another like fake out mm-hmm. so I, it sucks because i thought the david monroe thing would shift him i think he's going to see right through it oh. what, what's weird is i remember you know I, I i managed to occupy both states of mind reading it my first time through where i i was pretty sure he was voldemort and then i pr- was pretty sure he wasn't because i didn't want him to be mm-hmm. but i remember when they were giving the whole david monroe thing and uh Mad Eye was explaining something about how oh yeah he killed his whole family and then you know he showed up and i'm like dude he's him too like, for some reason, that was, like, the idea that that didn't occur to Mad-Eye was, like, surprising to me. Okay. And then he seems not to get it at the end, either. Um, yeah, so. it seems like no one realized that David Monroe wasn't Voldemort. Or that David Monroe was Voldemort. That they were all the same intelligence process behind him. I was just thinking, you know... Like, I don't even want to say person, because yeah. I'm not sure the thing that created Voldemort and David Monroe and Quirrell is a person anymore. Well, and the thing, I guess, that makes my, like me able to see further from my ladder of paranoia than Mad-Eye there is that I know Voldemort to be more complex 
entity than right. than Mad Eye does. He he knows the insanely powerful conniving psychopath. Yeah. Whereas like we know him as whoever he wants to be, right. and so like no no Monroe's a good guy. Sure he's got a steel will and you know enough to challenge Dumbledore, but no he's he's on the side of the the light side of the force. And it's like we know that Voldemort can just do whatever he wants, yeah. but he he couldn't imagine that Voldemort could do that. So that actually makes his thing more reasonable. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and he also mentioned that, like, Azkaban has to come back. We can't have done all this and not go back. And, yeah, it comes back in the form of Hermione is going to be sent there unless uh, Harry does something. Yeah, I wonder if he's going to be bummed that Azkaban isn't destroyed in this book. Mm. It's very strongly implied that's going to be destroyed shortly after the end of the book. Yeah. But, yeah, we, we don't... Harry can muster up a few political allies. I got the impression that he was going to have Hermione go do it. He says something about at the end how he's going to send you on a possible because he's like i'll be your wise old wizard paraphrasing Mm -hmm. and i've got a very dangerous mission that might kill you yeah um and he doesn't tell you that she has a horcrux i i think because he wants her to have a phoenix yeah yeah no well i don't know if he would have like sent her off without securing at least some allies especially now that dumbledore's gone he needs someone to have his back in the wizard comet after he destroys this thing i mean i guess he's got bones does he have bones she seemed okay with uh with Azkaban. I mean, since he's literally the keeper of the line of Merlin Unbroken, isn't he, like, supposed to be the head of something anyway? Well, yeah. Yeah. So she might have to listen to him? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> That's true. He might just have the power on his own now that he is... What's the keeper of the Merlin of the line Unbroken? Is that Supreme Mugwump? Or do they have a different title for that person? Um, I'm trying to think of all Dumbledore's titles. I know. There's, like, which title was the one that referred to the Merlin line? Because there were a number of titles he had well it doesn't matter yeah point is he does actually i guess have political power of his own now although being only 11 they may give him a regent or something being like you don't yet have the maturity to wield this power hmm and then he's got to corrupt his regent <laughs> or just make a new one with the philosopher's stone <laughs> yep i mean he, he's basically a world end. i mean that's that's what and this will be a fun conversation to have at the end of the podcast too i'm wondering like I've thought about this a lot. Like if Voldemort's, uh, and I know that's not why we're here, but as long as we're speculating, if Voldemort's oath that he made Harry take is sufficient, mm-hmm. like it's, it covers a lot of caveats. Yeah. But like if, all right, say you're talking to somebody who pretty, sh- I mean, it's kind of like he's trying to place constraints on an AI in a box. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, okay, I'll let you out of the box, but he can't do these things. And it, like Harry could also accidentally still end the universe. Right. Because it can only control what he personally knows and believes. Right. Yeah. Or not control, but, you know, can only control him based of, off of what he believes. Yeah. And I'm assuming that even because it's, you know, a dark or it's a sacrificial ritual that even if he were to confound himself to believe other things that it would still hold him. Because, like, it would see through the, like, the, the oath probably sees through the confundus or something, I'm guessing. Maybe. It'd be pretty lame. He probably lame. would not be able to confront himself to do that. That's a good point, if that's what he knew, if he knew that's what he was doing. And he right. probably couldn't ask someone to do it for him. Right. Now, if he hung out with somebody who was smart enough to think of it. But then, like, I think the whole thing that kept the stone safe before that was Flamel had made a public declaration to say, or a public uh, um, unbreakable vow to never surrender the location of the stone, even under torture. Right. But if all he had to do was confront them to say he never made that vow and then get them to confess... Like, that would have been a really easy loophole that Voldemort would have tortured her to death over already. Or I guess him. Yeah. I'm guessing Confundi don't see through or don't work through the unbreakable vow. Yeah. Anyway, what do you want to talk about, man? Okay. uh, So there were... The main thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that uh, Quirrell is Voldemort or, or rather they're both aspects of the same entity that created both of them, I guess. And, um... 
how how much that affected me upon the rereading. So the first thing I want to say, which is vaguely related to this, which really struck me, is um, when Harry asked, why am I not like other children? And Quirrell answers him, you know, because you can be whoever you want to be and so on and so forth. But as for why that is, I do not know. And um, Harry doesn't know it at this point in time, but since Quirrell knows that Harry is him, kind of what uh, has just been asked is, Quirrell, why are you the way you are? How is it that you're such a weird, freakish person that doesn't fit in with anyone else? And his ultimate answer is, I don't know. I This is just how I am. I have no idea why I'm so weird and different that I do not fit in with anyone else in the human race. And boy, is that tragic. That's an awesome read of that. I never quite looked at it through that angle. I took it to mean that he was giving him a partial answer, which is true. And then when he said, as for the reasons why you're like that, I don't know, which yeah. he does know. And so he's lying about that part. But I just took the rest to be like, so Harry's like, you know, Harry's question, why am I not like other kids? Well, because you can become whoever you want and other kids are constrained by being mere children. Mm -hmm. And as to why that is, I don't know. Yeah. The answer to why that is, is because I made you a copy of me and you're secretly 67 years old. Yeah, but then that just reduces to why is he like that? Because he's, yeah, well, it does. But I, so I, that's what I'm saying. That's why I liked your spin. That's why I liked your lens on it. I looked okay. at it at, at the, I guess, first level of transparency where like, okay, yeah, you're deceiving on that one last bit. And... So you're saying that, no, he could have been, you know, deceiving on the first layer and then honest on the second layer. I don't know why I'm like that. Yeah. That's interesting. Huh. And so that, I mean, that kind of hit me. But when I, okay, so when I was reading this arc initially, uh, I was in love with Quirrell. I wanted to have a three-way wedding between me, my time turner, and Quirrell. And uh, that never went away uh, right up until at the very end when it turned out that he was Voldemort. And even when he confessed to being Voldemort, I was like... There had to be some good reason or something, you know, there was, it wasn't just Voldemort until he just started acting like Voldemort for the last eight chapters. And I was like, oh my God, he's just a monster. And, uh, it was heart wrenching. It was even, even when he's explaining like, oh yeah, no, I was going to be like this awesome dark Lord. And you're like, okay, well, you know, uh, all right, I'm kind of him and hawing. And then he's like, oh no, actually I was just having a great time because this, this finally, I guess this worked. So fine, I'll just do that. Yeah. And then it's like, oh no, not my professor quarrel. That said, the wedding is still an enticing offer if I got a, if I got a, <laughs> uh, a time turn out of the deal. I mean, I would still go through the wedding if it was actually quarrel and not the entity that made quarrel. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. That's the, the scary thing about it. And that, and I think we talked a bit about that in one of our episodes, but like, he, he that's what broke harry from quirrell a bit wasn't the Askman wasn't him trying to murder a police officer who was surrender you know and who who wasn't even in self-defense it was like yeah it was uh it was when he said i don't know how many people are you yeah and like like it was this flipping thing like he didn't give a shit and mm -hmm. it's like dude so that is so like that's that's what would make a relationship with a person like that impossible because yeah. it's like wait you Everything I like, is this all pretended to? Yeah. You've just told me that you're really good at this and that you don't care when you're doing it, essentially. Like, what? how do you forge a relationship with somebody like that? But the thing was, when I read those chapters, I mean, it was, it was such a shock. I didn't process it then. And uh, maybe also partly to the point was I was really busy. Like, with each chapter that came out, I was scrambling to get the narration done fast, to get any voices I needed fast, put together the... Uh, 
the music and the sound effects and everything. I guess I had some leeway because I was only publishing every other week. But, you know, I kept myself busy. I had other things going on. I only read it once um, and then, you know, read it again as I was reading it out. And I guess heard it for a third time as I was putting it in together as an episode. But it was all kind of like just at one chunk. So even though it was going over in triplicate, it wasn't like taking time to process and come back like you do if you reread something and look at it with fresh eyes. So I just... I just kind of was numb and accepted it and went forward. And uh, this time, this read-through, when you guys are doing uh, We Want More, was the first time I've reread it since then. And, like, holy shit. When I got to the end of this, there's there's this fan art of um, that came out right around the time uh, Quirrell made the I'm Voldemort confession. And it's a... Uh, it's Harry Potter, and he's holding this self-drawn picture that he has of stick figures of him and Quirrell, and they're together, and there's a heart. And uh, and then, like, the next frame is him just, like, clutching that picture to his chest, and the entire world is burning around him, and he's crying. Oh, my God. Saying, oh, no. <laughs> I've seen a lot of fan artists, so I missed that one. Yeah, that was... It was... It's... it's been re- I've only seen it once or twice, and I tried to search for it before we did this, and I couldn't find it, but I only spent, like, three, four minutes looking. But uh, it, it was burned into my brain, because, you know... I kind of felt like that, but I really felt like that this time. And when I was reading these chapters, uh, especially the one in the warehouse and then Aftermath 63, I cried several times. And like it was it was a really bad week because I guess this was where I was finally coming ter- to terms with the fact that Quirrell was never Quirrell and there was no one there. And it just felt like it was like processing... A betrayal, I guess. I guess, like, everything you thought you could rely on uh, of this person being there was never true in the first place. And, like, Harry says, maybe there was some way to restore trust in surface appearances and make a normal human relationship possible again. But Harry couldn't think of what it might be. And the thing is, there is nothing you can do to restore that trust when it's been broken that way. There will never be that relationship again. And, like, it just, it really, really sucked to have Quirrell taken away like that. And I think it was the first time I processed it. And and I don't know. It, 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 I generally don't ever reread things because there's so much new stuff coming out that's good all the time. I don't have time for it. But I think this was a really, this made a really strong case to me for rereading things that are really good. Because I got to see it from, with knowledge I already had and process a bunch of things that I didn't, realize needed to be processed afterwards most things i read i mean read more than once um yeah but as far as the the loss I, it's it's hard you know fortunately i think almost none of us will have to encounter a situation that you know real life approximation of that sort of situation but i could just imagine well, I, I can scarcely imagine that's the point like if i if i went home after this recording and my my wife thought I'd be gone for another hour and she's like finishing murdering somebody in the living room in this, you know, Dexter style kill room. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, Hey, and how, how do you go back from that? I was, I was about to say, I think probably anyone who's been through a divorce or a really serious breakup has probably had this experience. A similar experience yeah. for sure. I think that everything you thought you knew was true was just built on sand. Yeah. And I guess, you know, in, in breakups I've had like, I always knew it was sand. And so there was, there was, it never quite lined up for me. But yeah, you're yeah. right. I mean, this, this is sort of like, uh, you know, 
without taking it the Brian jokey way of saying love, but th- this was like a a, betra- a, 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 very, a very intimate relationship betrayal. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's shattering. Yeah. And I guess it wasn't even as shattering at the time I read it because they had only gone through the Azkaban arc so far. Like by the time we actually get to the Voldemort reveal, there's been so much more that they've gone through together and built up even more, you know, interdependence and... And all of it was just a manipulation by Quirrell. You know, none of it was real. Yeah, I remember your um, your rendition in the audio when Harry is having his, like... And that's something this, this book does frequently and really well, where, like, really long run-on sentences when it's clear panic thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you cut out, like, every breath you took, basically, when you were doing that. And it reads as this one fast panicked thing, and you capture that perfectly. And it's like, no, no, but what if, the, what if the same person quoting this was the same person quoting that? And, and, and like, I think you, you got that great. And I think that um, the, uh, the book captured that really well, too. It's just like, what, I, I, I mean, yeah, I guess having never been through a, an analogous situation, I don't know if it, if it can happen in a minute like that, or if it does usually happen over the course of days or weeks or months, mm-hmm. um, where it's just this kind of low level panic, but I guess there there was a time pressure and then immediately after a gun so like his he had to have his his whole emotional turmoil within minutes mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i think you know running with that analogy too he on when they're talking i think like yeah during their like q a when he's making the potion they've got like the hour to kill or something yeah. and He's thinking like I would be willing, you know. Why don't you just take the stone? Let's let's go be Professor Quirrell. Like I won't tell anybody. And he's serious. He's like I, I will keep up the facade just to keep this. Yeah. Just to keep you around. Yeah. And if, even even if he promises to stop killing people, even mostly, which is a which is a a uh, an acquiescence that you can't imagine him making under any other circumstance, right? Right. It's like can you just like slow down your murders right. and we can we can Be keep more this selective. going only kill the really bad people right or the people Pull who the really really annoy you or something right? <laughs> right like not not just everybody who you feel like yeah. um it that so that sort of like bargaining uh in the in the stage that he's going through um yeah no it's it's wild and yeah the final the final thing that i ended on was uh what quarrel told Harry, uh, near the end of all this, is what you have, Mr. Potter, is freedom. And that's true. Like, one of the things that's, and I think I've posted about this before, that's worrisome about having connections to other people is that then you have to care about them. You don't have as much freedom to act however you want. Quirrell, Voldemort, whoever, can do whatever he wants because he doesn't care about anyone. And your enemies can threaten people you love. And once you don't love anyone, you have total freedom. And I kind of feel like Quirrell thinks that's like a gift. He's like, you are free to do whatever you want, Mr. Potter. And God, that's a shitty gift. Yeah, and because he's broken, he doesn't see that it's actually a downside. I mean, yes, it's true. And I mean, that's something that, um, you know, if if you're not tied to stuff, you could be like, oh, you know what? I could just throw my phone in the river and leave the country and you know do whatever I want. But oh, but yeah. I can't. I've got these obligations and people I care about. But... I think what makes that different in our lives is that that's usually a trade-off we're absolutely willing to make. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you could just do that. Right. And it. The, and some people do. And some people do. Um, They're and, generally considered giant assholes. And maybe what makes Quirrell different is that the decision for him to do that sort of thing isn't hard. Yeah. You know, if he got bored of being Voldemort, he would just leave. 
mm-hmm. and he'd go do something else for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say something else about, oh yeah, as far as freedom, like part of it I took that way. Um, then there's the the angle of just like, well, you're not, con- so when you mentioned like your ties to other people, and this is something that I would notice, you know, so I left, I grew up in, uh, well, you know, the same town as my parents, obviously, and then moved out of that town six, seven, six years ago. Um, and then after like a year or more of being gone and like, you know, we'd go back and visit, it's like an hour away, mm. but after just a, a few, you know, less than a couple of years go, going back to visit, there's like this weird fake feel to it. Mm. And it's like, okay, now I got to be who I was two years ago when oh. they knew me more often or like bumping into a friend that you knew from high school or something. Yeah. Um, it, and I think that that's something that many people have probably experienced where, you know, you haven't seen somebody in years and then you see them again and whatever they're in town, you got to dinner. And then like, you kind of have to regress. And then if you're self-aware of that, you're probably aware that they're probably regressing too, Hmm. because they're playing more the character they were last time you met. And I, at some point made the decision to stop doing that. It didn't like go away completely, but it, it did. Cause I didn't like that. As soon as I became aware of that odd dissonance, I, I immediately didn't enjoy it. Yeah. And so I, like I just kind of am the same person wherever I go. I try to be the same me at work, at home, at visiting my parents, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's different, uh, whatever. If you're looking, I'm trying to draw something with my hands, but no one can see it. There's different aspects that um, extend more in certain areas. But like, I I'm basically I feel comfortable wherever I am, rather than like, oh, I've got to pretend to be, right. you know, this guy. Um, I mean, eventually, you just come to the acceptance that the more time you spend away from people, the more you're going to be less like them and have less things in common. Like eventually if you aren't living with someone or see them pretty constantly, you're just going to be uh, drifting away. Yeah. But, and not but, always like away, away, but certainly not as close as you were when you were spending a lot of time around them physically. Yeah. And so uh, in a way makes it sound distant. You're going to grow right yeah. and that and that that's actually fine yeah. that makes you know like the we did like my bachelor party i hadn't seen two of my bachelor what do you call them uh groomsmen mm-hmm. um for more than an, an hour or two basically since high school wow um well i mean at a time yeah, yeah. um you know i'd seen them several times since but never for you know Not a for week an extended period yeah. yeah and so like it it's actually kind of fun because then you get to like re-meet somebody that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and like, oh, this is what's changed. And so that, that can be a very gratifying experience. But what I, I think what I was thinking like with the freedom that Harry has, like he's not constrained by any of those roles. And so if he doesn't, and, and this actually comes out like immediately in the next chapter with uh, Professor McGonagall, he kind of sits down and at some point he's like, you know, yes, Minerva. And he, he's like, and he's, he's called her by her first name before, but you get the impression at that point, he's like, I'm not doing the student thing. I just don't have the fucking energy for it right now. Yeah. And I'm actually trying to figure out like what's going on in his head in that chapter, but I'm sure Brian and I will tease something out. But especially, you know, this, this is talked about explicitly in the roles chapters and like his parents come yeah. and he's trying and he's and to be a son. And then he's like, I, I, I can't do that right now. Can I just be like honest with you instead? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the kind of thing that like I yeah, I definitely this is why it's fun to talk about. And you know, it's fun to read. This is a great book. I read it almost entirely in isolation. Um like there's a uh 
there's definitely a lot to enjoy while enjoying something in salt, not necessarily like pure solitude, but not having somebody read it with you or, you know, whatever, following a podcast, talking about it. But that's one of the things that makes it a lot, can add a lot to it is that, um, you know, the, on two different cases already when in this conversation, you, you took things differently than I took and I would never have gotten there. And that, I think that's, that's a really interesting way to do it. So, um, or are really both both of the takes you had rather I think are really interesting ways to think about it, and uh, that's one of the fun things about these sorts of analysis discussions. Yeah, but yeah, that's I don't know. It's a bummer. I can see why you wanted to talk about it, yeah. and you'll be on in the show again at some point. You know, if you want to come on, we'll do an epilogue chapter or two. We definitely have to do at least one, but I mean, it's long enough. There's enough to cover that there might be two because I want to point out all the foreshadowings. Oh God, um, there's a bunch. I mean, maybe not all, but all the ones that like he could have possibly picked up on. You know, the five minute thing of like, hey, check out the Quibbler headlines. Reread those really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I like all the early chapters where he's like, where people are like, are you really the Harry Potter? And every time he answers with something that's like, well, I don't know. I wasn't there when I was born. People could be lying to me. Well, yeah, that is kind of like a funny like hand wave to the fact that like, no, not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's... Yeah, and well, then, you know, some of my favorites, too, this is, I, I don't know if I got this on my second or maybe third reread, but it was, like, and because it, it was so fast, and it's such an obvious, like, throwaway thing in the middle of, like, a paragraph, but when Petunia's explaining about why uh, Lily, like, wouldn't give her this potion to make her pretty, and it's like, oh, she said it was dangerous, she said the centaur said the world would end if she did it, and it's like, that sounds like you know, your sister's making up excuses. Mm-hmm. And then it's, then when we're assuming Firenze, but we never get his name, I think he says, yeah, he calls him son of Lily. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is definitely the centaur that said, don't, <laughs> don't give your sister that pretty potion. The world will end. Yes. <laughs> and, um, all, and then of course, every interaction with Dumbledore mm-hmm. is just so, and that's why I think that this is one of the ones that like lends itself really well to a reread. Cause, and I mean, I'm trying to think of, any specific example but really they all pan out like the like the most recent one when uh oh if if harry and voldemort fight their war with muggle weapons you know there'll be nothing left of the world but fire and he puts his head in his hands and he says what have i done Mm -hmm. and it's like when you're reading it the first time i'm not sure what you're thinking it's like what have you done like what you didn't do anything man you you tried your best to hold back Voldemort you know don't sweat it yeah. but it's like oh what have I done I made this guy <laughs> I I I I can I contrived so hard to create this exact situation and the world could fucking explode over it and he knew that it's yeah. it's awesome yeah crap I didn't I didn't that like passed by me in the most recent reread you're right yeah see these episodes should be four hours long not three hmm. no there's there's no well I mean Maybe I don't think I'll do it. If someone wants to, it'd be fun to do like, cause this is, this is my backup plan. If I couldn't do one like this mm-hmm. was to do a spoiler, like spoiler read of it. Yeah. Um, I really don't think, uh, I mean, certainly not right away. I, I have no plans to do that, but if someone wanted to, I think that'd be really fun. Yeah. Um, then that way you could point out all those things you want in advance. And every single little Easter egg and yeah, nod and yeah. And joke. Okay. Well, that was everything I had cool yeah i don't have anything else either cool thank you for you know taking time and doing this with me without brian around oh no it was great man this is awesome and thank you everybody for hanging out and listening to your special tiny bonus episode i think it was what like half an hour something like that cool well this is a fun teaser we'll still be back um on your regularly scheduled day of i guess monday Mm -hmm. and we'll be doing 
65 and 66, which I kind of threw out like in the moment because I hadn't actually read ahead when we did last on our last recording. It's not that much to cover, so we'll talk a little bit about some of the omakes in 64 if you want to read those, or we'll just mention them, but they're really funny. Well, fun and funny. Yeah. And if it's a bit of a shorter episode, I think that maybe just happens after retros because then we've kind of taken like two weeks off of doing the books. So. Right. Um, or a week. I don't know. Time's weird right now, as we all keep saying. So anyway, thanks right. again. We'll see you in a couple weeks or wait, not a couple weeks in one. Yes. Yeah. Or whenever this, you know, whatever yeah. day this releases, I'm thinking Wednesday. So we'll see you in like five days. Cool. Awesome. Bye.